Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Welcome to What If So What, the podcast where we ask what's possible with digital and figure out how to make it real in your business. I'm Jim Hertzfeld. And I'm Kim Chopek. We're part of Proficient's digital strategy team. And today we'll ask what if, so what, and most importantly, now what? At the time of this recording, we are experiencing another series of economic dips and spikes related to the pandemic, inflation, politics, you name it, it's in flux. And that is forcing the retreat of what seemed to be a return to business as usual. In the digital world, this retreat has caused yet another whiplash as marketers try and respond to what customers need today, this minute, at this place, only to find their KPIs dropping faster than before. Why is this? Today, we talk to Alan Hart, marketing veteran and host of his own Marketing Today podcast, to hear why he thinks marketing teams need to be blown up, reorganized, and get back to basics to be successful in today's environment. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Usually, I'm on the other side asking the questions, so this is going to be interesting for me. Yeah, and and I feel like we have a lot to learn from you too as a seasoned podcaster. But let's start by you giving us a summary of your background as a marketer and why you say we have to change how we manage marketing. So my background, I've got a little over 20 years of experience kind of across B2C, B2B, consulting, agency, and client-side marketing experience. I was talking to someone recently, and I think the only industry I can definitively say I haven't worked in is automotive. 
But as soon as I said that, I remembered a project I did with Eastman Chemical that was related to windscreens, which is what they call windshields when you're in the OEM world. So I, ha- I technically have touched it, but only the front windshield. So. It counts. It counts. Yeah. You know, we were talking a bit earlier, and I think marketing needs to change the way we manage things. First and foremost, we get further and further each year, it seems, outside of how people shop and consume. I mean, if you just walk down the street and ask people, you know, what did you buy today? And kind of take that ethnographic approach. They don't necessarily talk about all the things that we hear about in the trade press, you know, TikTok and social media. They say, well, I went to Giant or Harris Teeter and I bought toothpaste today. Which brand of toothpaste did you buy? It's the one I always buy. It's got the circle, half circle on it. Oh, what's the name of it? And so we've gotten kind of outside the way how people shop and think. The channels that we have to market are continuously expanding at rates that kind of outpace our ability to strategically think about the use of them or not. This probably gets near and dear to a lot of things that you guys talk about related to customer experience, but it still really sucks to buy most products and services today. Like it, it just <laughs> is a chore to do it. And all of this means that in my mind, we need to think about how we structure marketing departments and the function inside the business to address those issues, right? So that's what I think just at the surface level, like why marketing needs to change. I think those are great points, especially at recording. We're in the midst of the holiday season and we hear about all these supply chain issues and it's kind of fear and doom and dread. But frankly, I'm not seeing any supply chain issues personally. I'm still able to get that toothpaste that you're talking about and big push to shop locally too, which is interesting in terms of your point on how people are actually shopping. So in terms of how those marketing functions need to change to maybe address what you think needs to change, how do you build a team of modern marketers? We've talked a lot on the podcast with other marketing professionals around, you know, do you need generalists? Do you need specialists? Do you need seasoned people? I almost said old. Uh, Do you need recent graduates who are more familiar with social media? Or does none of that really matter given what you're saying needs to change? I think just on the generalist versus specialist, I think you need both, but I think we do need to flip the orientation. What I mean by that is I think right now our pendulum has shifted pretty hard to specialization, and I think we need to flip it back. I think there's still space for both, but I think generalists really need to be focused on proven campaigns. And we know that campaigns themselves, when there's multiple tactics involved, they outperform a singular tactic, right? That's been proven by academic research, by practical research and application. And so we need generalists, I think, driving the marketing and specialists really optimizing their specialties, whether that's SEO or SEM or social channels or any other related specialty. They need to be the experts within that channel, but I think we need generalists driving the campaign development, if you will. Related to that, though, is to do that effectively, we need better briefs. Mm. Getting back to those people that we were talking about earlier, like, who are we trying to reach? You know, what are we trying to overcome in their minds about us? And how are we going to reach them effectively to do that? You know, focus is kind of critical and gives both everyone on the marketing team clarity, but it, more importantly, I think it gives the organization more confidence in our ability to actually market what we do and provide to the marketplace. Hopefully that makes sense. 
I really like that, especially given some recent conversations we've had about generalization versus specialization. It makes a lot of sense to me. And I really do like your comment about the brief. I feel like it might have even been last year at this point, reading an article that was basically called The Death of the Brief. And why is that? And how do we get that back? And it kind of pointed to some of the reasons that you're talking about. But can you expand on that a little bit? Why do you think we don't have briefs anymore? Who writes the brief? Is that the generalist? Is that the specialist? Or does that need to come from a broader marketing strategist? It's a really good question. And it depends on whether we're talking about inside of a company or at an agency. I've worked in both environments and many different client-side environments, but in the agency world, we bifurcated strategy. Like if you go back to Mad Men days or even before, there was no such thing as a planning or strategy department. It was a part of the account management function. The account managers knew the business, they knew the business politics, knew what the business was trying to achieve from a results standpoint. And largely, I think they played kind of a strategist role. And so we've bifurcated that role into two different functions. And related to that, I think bifurcated business results from strategy or planning in many agency organizations. And I think that we've, as clients, taken that system and applied it to our own internal structures as well, for better or for worse. And I've seen briefs written that start with the tactics versus the customer insight. And that's, you know, completely backwards and upside down um, from the way it should be. And so we need to get back to writing, who are we trying to serve? What are we trying to overcome within their minds about who we are and what we offer to the marketplace? And if we did just those two questions, we'd be in a better place to ideate how to go to market and what the marketing needs to do for us. Your other question you asked is like, okay, well, who needs to do that within this environment? And I'm not 100% sure. I think it needs to be a strategically minded marketer. I would typically put that in the hand of a generalist, though, somebody that understands enough about the spectrum of marketing that they can write a concise, pointed brief. They know a little bit about research or insights. They know quite a bit about marketing strategy and planning, and they've done some executional elements in their past as well. They seem like the best skill set to write the brief, if you will, in my mind. It makes me think of, you know, generalist, specialist, the death of the brief. We need to bring that back. We need to actually start with the customer experience goals. These all seem like maybe obvious things, but I'm sharing your perspective that we've seemed to have gotten away from that. I would say the basics that seem to be working. So what do you think that means for organizations today? How should they be thinking about certainly the organizational structure, but the supporting processes? And, you know, we always are asked uh, on our side about the platforms and technologies. That's usually where our clients come to us and say, well, we bought this platform. How do we use it? Which, of course, is totally backwards as well. But what does that modern marketing organization and structure look like in your mind? Yeah. I mean, that's the million dollar question. And I was was just on a a call last week with a bunch of marketers, CMOs, heads of marketing, and they were asking the same question. One of them was trying to figure out a new need to evolve her org structure. And she was asking the same question to everyone on the call. And it's different in every place, but I think there's some common elements To your point about basics, there's some core elements. I just want to underline and then I'll get to the actual org structure, but there's a few. Mental availability has to be core. You know, Byron Sharp has coined that term, but those are old school basics. It's like, if you're not known, how can someone buy you? 
Mary did that as physical availability. Are we where people buy? <laughs> That's a very simple question. But if you're not there, how are they going to buy you? They can't. Then the other components that I would put in that, what I call new old basics, is brand distinction. Like how are we going to stand apart within the spectrum of everything that they can choose from? And then making sure that we're hitting on both emotional and rational benefits. A lot of times, depending on the age of the organization, they forget one or the other. They either are totally emotionally driven and they forget about you still have to have some sort of pragmatic value that you're delivering to the marketplace, or are they the opposite? They're the cheapest in the category and that's all they talk about. I think from an organizational standpoint, though, we need a couple of different elements. And I think it starts at the top. You know, we need leaders that know how to build teams and teams of teams. I think given the pace at which marketing is changing today, and the pace at which the categories that many businesses operate into are changing today. We can't have kind of the 1950s control and command structure anymore where all the decisions come from the top and they kind of ripple down the organization. I think we need self-contained teams that can act and make decisions on their own. Now, the leaders also need to be able to look into those decisions that are being made with some level of transparency and kind of like a window, if you will, into the work. What are the metrics? How are things progressing? Are we on pace to hit our timelines, et cetera? But otherwise they need to get back, right? And manage the team and not manage the work, if that makes sense. So that that's one element. I think technology is really about making the work faster, more efficient, more transparent, and more coordinated. That's kind of where I would put the technology bucket. Like if my technology is not delivering on those things, I don't have the right whatever it is, tech stack. I don't have the right gadget to get me connected to the channels I need to be connected to. And the team leaders need to tame that complexity and get all their teammates on the same page. And that's a lot of soft skill stuff, in my opinion, like communication, being a good people leader, inspiring other people to bring ideas to the table, et cetera. And then the team members themselves, like the individual contributors, they need the clarity and the context to make the right choices and the right trade-offs. And getting back to technology, potentially, as it relates to customer experience, don't forget the customer. The customer just needs it to work. So, I mean, I, that's how I think about just like the components of a structure of an organization. The question probably people that are listening to this is like, well, okay, well, where does emails fit or where does web fit? Well, it, I don't know that it fits neatly into one bucket. I think we might need to get to a place where we're actually managing by customer segments. And if we're building a, an experience for a specific segment of customers, then that team would be assigned to that segment and they're managing the entire soup to nuts experience, marketing, et cetera, related to that customer segment. Oh, I love that idea. As you're talking, it, it just really reminds me of agile development and how we've tried to evolve the product owner role to your point. Well, I'm just using e-commerce as an example. There's a product owner and a team that handles checkout. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, on the mobile phone or on the website or in, in these days in the store, you know, they're in charge of optimizing the checkout product. But I really like the idea of customer segment. Have you put that into practice? At certain organizations I've worked with, we have, and it does tend to clarify everyone's role. And I think it actually fosters more creativity than in other environments because 
you're seeing the interconnections between, you know, let's say it's customer experience, right? Like the handoff between mobile and web really sucks. We got to fix that, you know, like, okay, how do we do that? Right. Right. Or the mobile app to pick up in store. There's some clinks in the system. We need to clean this up. And it's actually a people problem inside the store. Like, let's go fix that. It's those interconnections. It's the, the handoff points, I think, where a lot of the magic happens sometimes. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it makes me wonder, so we've talked about, you know, generalists and specialists, and I think you've given a really clear definition of your opinion, you know, how that could be structured, where technology and processes comes into play, maybe even how to structure these teams. Yet, we certainly have conversations internally and with our clients, uh, marketing teams, where they feel like they're being asked to be all things to all people. And maybe in their individual organization, they don't have, you know, the right structures in place and they're struggling a little bit. But what's resulted is this phrase, the great resignation. And it really, I think, is tied primarily to, you know, an analysis as an unintended consequence of the pandemic. But we've seen this impacting marketers, I would say, a little bit more specifically in terms of resigning because they're being asked to be all things to all people. But what do you think? Is this great resignation (laughs) relevant to the marketing community? And maybe how can we use some of your thinking to prevent our marketers from leaving? Yeah, I think it's 100% relevant to marketing. And uh, frankly, I don't know if this is true. I know the technology worker space in particular has seen a lot of movement, um, just a couple of organizations that I've talked to. But I think it's related to the marketing function as well. Not that the technology people are leaving, we're not making their life that painful, I promise. <laughs> but more that like the type of work that we do is I think analogous in many ways to technology workers. And most people leave a company, not because of the company, but because they just have a crappy manager. Usually that's why. And when things get really good on the outside of the company, <laughs> i.e. like job postings and better salaries and stuff, it makes it really hard to continue to show up to a crappy people leader every day. And, you know, I think, yes, a lot of people are on the move. I think people that are at that like manager level and below, if you don't like what you're something about your job right now, this is the best time in the world to change jobs. Like there are so many postings out there. You're more than likely going to get a raise. The question you have to ask yourself is the grass really greener on the other side. And that's more of a personal decision. But what I've found talking to more senior level marketers like director and above and you know especially at the VP level it's a little trickier up there there's definitely a lot of movement happening you're seeing lots of new CMOs being posted and things like that but those roles are just slower to fill there's fewer of them and i think it's a little bit symptomatic of what we're seeing at the lower levels and the dramatic churn that you see there is that we might need to be evaluating the flux that we're seeing and and asking ourselves from an organization standpoint, is this our leadership problem, right? Like if people usually leave because of a manager issue and we need to manage marketing differently, like I was talking about before with, you know, team leaders that can manage team members and inspire them. And then managers that manage multiple teams that are doing that work, we may need to upgrade our leadership talent. And I haven't quite seen that entirely take hold yet. And so I would say this great resignation is probably going to last a while as we come to realizations that we might need to upgrade our leadership talent as well. 
That's fascinating. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but your perspective is it's a leadership problem, not necessarily a skill set problem or somebody being asked to do too many things as a marketer, or maybe a little bit of both because the leaders don't recognize maybe their teams are being asked to do things that they can't fulfill. Yeah. I mean, I think it could be both, but I think it always starts at the leadership and trickles down, right? Like if I had a great system, like Allen & Co's marketing system. and Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And I was losing people. If I had a set system, I could rehire people to fill those holes. And because everyone in the organization knows how we run marketing here, they could get up to speed faster and get into role and be much more successful at a faster pace. Problem is, is most companies don't know how marketing works, like even within their own company, right? Like they don't have the company way documented. They don't have it ingrained in the culture. They don't have these teams of teams that make their own self-governing decisions, you know, at the scale that they need to make them. And so no one's there to like help people on board or get up to speed or heaven forbid, if we lose somebody, right? you know, right. we might have just lost our TikTok expert. And like, now we got to go find a new one, right? Because our whole strategy is based on TikTok. And so, you know, we're creating these problems for ourselves, I think, a lot of times. That's a really uh, salient and relevant and real example <laughs> I just heard about. So that makes a lot of sense. So let's say uh, any organization radically reorganized and kind of aligned to the way that either you're suggesting or they're just going to change the way they're managing marketing to help achieve some goals and objectives. How do you think that's going to help that company be more innovative? I love the question of how will it help them become more innovative? Because I think most people think of what I'm describing as potentially rigid or old. Sometimes I even have that reaction to how I describe it myself. Like you need a process, you need a marketing <laughs> way. Like ugh, it feels like you're putting me in a box. Right. I don't want to be put in a box. But I think it really comes down to the innovation is in how it's managed, not the fact that there's a system or a design way, right? Like if you're a graphic designer, likely you use Photoshop. But I don't expect your graphics to look like the other person that uses Photoshop, right? Because you're bringing different elements to the table. And I think it's very similar here. For example, what's better having to focus on innovation in a channel, a very specific channel on how we reach customers or focusing on innovation on how we reach and serve them? Well, I think reaching and serve them opens the aperture for me. And to do that, I need to know who those customers are and you know, write the brief that's going to help solve their problem. 
Another question would be like, what about having ideas and decisions reserved for the top of the house versus delegating those decisions to a wider spectrum and more diverse perspectives in those teams of teams approach where the work is actually getting done? I think there's much more innovation happening in that latter approach, which is what I described versus the old way of doing things. That's frankly how we can make marketing more inclusive as well, is to get the decisions out of these old stodgy hands like like me, an old white guy, and get them down closer to the people that are doing the work as much as we can, right? There's always got to be safeguards and governance, but most of the decisions that need to be made could be made at lower levels, for sure. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Alan, it's been great speaking with you. I, I know I took away quite a few actionable pieces of information and really made me think about marketing management in a different way. So uh, thank you for that. I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot as well. Any final thoughts for us today on the topic of all things marketing? It's a tough world out there, you know, and um, <laughs> I, I applaud marketers. Keep fighting the good fight and make your briefs a lot better, please. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. Thanks so much, Alan. Now it's time for our namesake segment, What If, So What, and most importantly, Now What? Jim, what are your thoughts on what Alan had to say around why we need to restructure our marketing teams? Hey, Kim, there was so much density in what Alan had to say. It seemed like we were getting a leadership lesson on marketing, you know, that took years to make. I could probably give you 30 minutes of takeaways uh, on this one. It was really fascinating. It was. That was kind of my, my number one. Like these are sort of leadership lessons. And I know we're going to talk a lot about the basics here. But the idea of thinking about how teams work together, you know, the responsibility that team members have, the responsibility that leaders have to make the teams work. I mean, why is that important? It's important because so much health marketing has changed. You know, the customer journey has changed. It's more complicated. Again, we've talked about this all the time. There are more channels, more options, and that's great, you know, for customers. It's great for transparency. It's great for freedom of choice and putting the power in the hands of the customers, but it's a, it's a whole new burden for organizations, you know? So how do you manage all that together? And I think my big takeaway was, you know, he gave us a lot of questions we, we can ask each other, but it's a leadership lesson. And I think my big takeaway was, gosh, is that something that's, that needs to come back, not just to marketing, but to sales and to service and to the rest of the organization, because that complexity in marketing requires everyone to participate. That's kind of my instant reaction is everybody needs to, to understand this, to understand their leadership responsibility in making the whole system work. So I loved Alan's response to innovation and what makes innovation work and the concept that you really have to get down to the people doing the work and the people who are closest to the customer and you know, the people whose problems we're, we're trying to solve. And many of those are many, many small problems, right? Everyone's heard death by a thousand paper cuts. Maybe there's an antithesis of that. That's a little more positive around innovation. Like what are all the continuous improvements that we can make and decisions that can be made at the lowest levels? Again, back to, I think, leadership creating sort of a culture and a system that allows that to happen. And then finally, I liked his, his comment about technology. Of course, this is a big part of what we talk about is technology, right? Not completely, but our thesis, you know, for this show is technology isn't the answer to everything. It's the means to an end. But I liked his comments about the value of technology having to be faster, more efficient, and more coordinated. Yes. And what he means by that is that the technology is not helping the marketer, the seller, the service center 
ultimately the customer do their job faster, more efficiently, more coordinated. What, what value is it really adding? I just love that little piece of basic information. And I know we're going to expand on that, but what did, what did you think, Kim? Yeah, I think we had a lot of the same takeaways and I loved that as well because it was just, you know, sometimes you're struck by the dumb obviousness of a comment. I'm like, oh yeah, that is what I should be thinking <laughs> yeah. about in every engagement or think how I think about every engagement. But yes, getting back to basics really resonated with me, really because I think we've heard this now over and over in a lot of our episodes. It's just, you know, it kind of continues to strike us to say, well, you should just do X, Y, and Z. That's the basics. That's what's worked. You know, why are we confusing the topics and trying to be all things to all people? But people still aren't getting back to basics. So we can talk about why that is. And I like the way he kind of broke it down. So how do you get back to basics in his mind? You know, you have to talk to customers. His, his example of what did you buy today? Toothpaste. That really resonated with me because he's right. You know, I'm not buying a new content management system every day. I'm buying laundry detergent and toothpaste and foundation. And, and it is always complicated. So his point about we've lost touch about how people actually shop and buy, I think is right on. With you, I thought his comment on channels, that just, again, really struck me because he's right. He said something along the lines of channels have outpaced how we think about leveraging them and how we can really optimize and target to the right person at the right time. And that kind of dovetailed with his comment about generalists and specialists, which really, if our listeners think back, contrasts with some of my earlier perspective thinking we need more specialists. But he really made me rethink my position. I really liked his points about, you know, generalists having a role and specialists optimizing. I thought that was a really smart way to think about it and helped me sort of clarify how team structures might be better optimized, you know, for today's business. And his comments about the brief, Jim, you and I have talked about this in our own, you know, Every business day. lives and engagements <laughs> and why are we writing these briefs or how can we extract some of this information from our clients who should be writing the brief? I wanted to point out the article I mentioned is actually a 2018 piece called The Planning Process Has Gone Out the Window. And it really does echo Alan's sentiments about the lack of a clear brief, which has historically been the most basic of basics. And I really thought his analysis of how that death of the brief has sort of bifurcated planning and strategy. We've seen that. We've really seen that. And we've seen it on the agency side and consulting side. We've seen it on the business side. And I wonder if we can, again, trace it all back to the basics. But Jim, this is my question. The what if, can we really restructure marketing organizations today to get back to basics? It seems like we'd be fighting a lot of inertia. What would it take? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was my concern or my fear listening to the interview was, wow, do we have to blow it up? Do we have to start <laughs> over? You know, I even had the thought of, is marketing as we know it even a thing anymore, right? Just right. because, and I know that to set alarm bells off, but do we have to just think about, we have these traditional departments in, in every organization, marketing, sales, service, you know, product, and there everyone gets it, right? Everyone right. knows what, do they still really apply? That was kind of where my where I was going, which is almost absurd because it's not realistic. But you know what else is sort of absurd is, is, is and this is where I want to pose as the what if, like, what if you could do it all? You know, and I think this is the absurdest question around 
what technologies brought or what digital has brought to marketing. What if you knew everything about your customer? You know every preference, every detail, where they went, how often, what they thought of you. And you, what if you could touch them from every channel in store, web, with your dealers, on social, even with your product, right? We're seeing that more and more, like the product is the channel. How about NFTs? You know, we just talked to Mark Cuban about their NFT strategy to Dallas Mavericks. Like, where can that go with smart contracts? Like, oh my gosh, I got to think about that. You know, is that something I have to do? But what if we did? We knew everything. We could touch them from every channel possible. We could do that at any moment, but not just any moment, like the right moment, the exact moment that I needed to reach you. <laughs> kind of like in minority report world then, right? Yeah, it's almost too much. And it's so weird because I have these moments, you know, where I had a conversation about a category, a product or something I have in mind. And boom, there's the ad showing up. Well, that's happening more and more. It's like, like all of a sudden it went from showing up on my instant feed to my streaming service. So, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Right. And sometimes it's convenient. Sometimes it's not. But again, the, the absurdity here is we're kind of in this moment again, I think where the medium, you know, or the options have kind of drowned out the message. But I think that is what we're faced with. Of course, the absurdity of blowing up marketing is just as absurd as expecting marketing to be able to handle everything. You know, we've talked yes. about this in, with other guests, right? Yeah. Yep. It's really a trend. So, you know, given that ridiculous, absurdist pressure, you know, and expectations, so what, Kim? What do you what do you think? I really like the idea of getting back to basics. And and I've been thinking a lot about this after we talked with Alan and really after we talked with Mark, given some of the great applications of NFT he talked about. And that is, are you getting the basics right? Is 2022 the year of getting back to basics to drive future success? given the volatility of the environment. So who is your customer? What are they buying? What are their pain points? Are you organized to enable and empower those closest to the customer to act and innovate products and services on their behalf? And, and I think this is a really important consideration, especially as we start hearing more and more and talking more and more about employee experience as a very broad consideration. You know, how do you really enable and empower teams? And as Alan said, teams of teams, I really like the analogy of the tree decision-making framework. I don't know, Jim, if you've heard about mm -hmm. this. It's like, how do you really make sure you're empowering people with the right level of decision-making? You know, is it a root-level decision? Is it a trunk-level decision? Is it a branch? Is it a leaf? You know, and yeah. that leaf decision can be made by those closest to the problem where a root decision really should be driven by leadership and cascaded up or out to the rest of the teams. And that goes back to your initial point about leadership training and more serious leadership talent programs. Yeah. I have a background in that and organizational leadership as an academic discipline is definitely growing. And I think that's a great thing. It's really bridging these, I would say, pseudo professional training programs and academically rich programs that we can apply to the total organization, not just marketing. And I think that's going to become more important as we try and get back to the basics of running a successful organization. I have to be honest, my so what is missing that, how does this help us innovate? You know, how will getting back to basics enable innovation? And Jim, I keep thinking, you know, why is it, why does it always seem across our discussions that the need for more empathy and soft skills are really what drives innovation? I don't have an answer for that, Kim. <laughs> I mean, that's the philosophical question, you know, are we, is yeah. that, is that the basic yeah. of the basics that we're missing in organizations still today? Well, Kim, I think it goes back to this amazing consumerization of technology and the promise of technology. 
and the silver bullet or easy button mentality. And, you know, I, I think the soft skills, human element, I mean, it never went away. It was never displaced by technology. I think maybe it was just, it's been overshadowed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, I think back to the motivation for this podcast is we've got to keep those front and center. And I, and I think part of it is, again, this this idea that we do need more specialization because there's so much fragmentation, because there are so many options, right? And channel and tech and solution, you know, that you do need specialists. And so we favor the expertise, the left brain, if I'm doing this right, you know, and not the right brain. So I think sometimes that just happens to crowd that out. I think that's as simple as that. And I do think there's is the fundamental change that, and I'll kind of use the tree analogy and extend it to the forest, right? It's the same ecosystem. And again, this leadership problem is not limited to marketing. That's you right. Know, it's marketing working with sales. It's marketing working with product. We see that a lot. There's a lot of things that get thrown over the wall and it's going to go back to that root system kind of working together. I'll be a little snarky here. Like it's interesting in that analogy that the roots are like underground where they can't see anything. Right. So I'll just leave that (laughs) there. Right. No, maybe that's uh, more insightful than than (laughs) anyone realizes. Kind of a, kind of a dark approach. Sorry. But you know, I think we gotta be honest with ourselves. The absurdity of blowing it up. I do think there are things that everybody can do. I think the upside of let's say marketing and even customer experience being it's everybody's problem. You know, I think we've talked about this, if not on the show, in our work where everyone in the organization should be asking themselves, how does this support my customer? How am I servicing my customer? And I think from a CX lens, that's always something we should do. And I I know I know some brands are really serious about that and really successful at it. But I think there's two questions that Alan asked that I think give everyone something to do when they're done listening here, which is who are we trying to serve and what are we trying to overcome in their minds? I think that is the marketer's mission. But I, you know, again, I think it's everyone's mission. So I think, you know, if you left here, you you sat down in a quiet place and you tried to answer those two questions, I think you're on the right start. And I don't care if you're marketing or selling a product, a service or an experience, or we all know of some recent public health initiatives, I mean, <laughs> or or just an idea. Sometimes that's where you have to practice. You got to sell internally too. You got to build relationships inside your organization and you have to market and sell those ideas. So, you know, if I'm trying to convince my colleagues to do something, then who are they? Who I'm trying to serve them. I have internal customers, you know, okay, what, what am I trying to overcome in their minds? And I think if the organization can do that, that helps not just the marketing mission, but certainly the CX mission that we think every brand should be pursuing. I agree. I think that's some great actionable ideas that anyone could examine. And I'm sure pretty quickly identify some gaps and opportunities. But great talking as always, Jim. Looking forward to the next episode. Thanks everyone for listening today. Please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And until next time, keep asking what if, so what? And most importantly, now what? You've been listening to What If, So What? The digital strategy podcast from Proficient with Jim Hertzfeld and Kim Chopek. We want to thank our proficient colleague, J.D. Norman, for our music today. Subscribe to the podcast and don't miss a single episode. You can find this season along with show notes at proficient.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.